Welcome to our new show of Ye Old Paranormal. I am Chris Kilbride, and my co-host here is Chris Ingram. All right, nice to meet you. Basically, this is our first show. Hopefully, you like it. We are going to have a few mishaps. We are going to mess up, and audio and things might not be great, but we do promise to improve it over time. So if you're listening or watching this, we do appreciate it, and we hope you enjoy the show. And be kind. <laughs> Okay then, so to start, have you had any kind of experiences with paranormal life? Are you interested in this stuff? Tell the viewers a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, so obviously I've seen like the films and, you know, Annabelle and The Conjuring and, and things and, you know, it just, it does, you know, draw you in. I once was uh, going around an old folks home uh, to find one with my nan. And, you know, we wanted the one that was right and we were looking at all these different ones and they're expensive. And we found this one and we just thought, oh, this one's perfect. It's got everything that we need and it looks clean. It's got good reviews. So we were showing around and it just didn't feel quite right. It was very eerie. There was just, there's not like one particular thing that you could say about it. It just didn't feel right. And we were showing and she, she actually loved it considering someone who didn't want to go in she seemed quite happy to go so when we were moving some of the stuff we were looking around and we went to walk into what would be her room and I felt just this cold just this coldness come over my body and all my hair stood on end and something smacked me around the back of the head and I thought it was my dad playing a trick so I was just about to turn around to give him a mouthful and he was right at the other end of the corridor and this was a long corridor there was no way he would have got the other end of the corridor yeah. by the time I turn around and there was nothing else there and my dad's and at the biggest atheist going and he uh, was just stood there frozen stiff and he was just like what was that and I was like what did you see you need to tell me because I didn't see anything I just saw your reaction and I saw how much you jumped he goes, but there was nothing there. Oh, well, so you've actually had like a physical yeah. moment. With yeah, so, something some... literally smacked me around the back of the head. It frightened the life out of me. See, I've never had anything like, I've always, I've had a few questionable things happen, but the way my skeptical mind works is I'll always look for the reasonable explanation yeah. before believing 100%. Yeah, that's what we all do, isn't it? Yeah, go for the rational. We want to try and explain something yeah. because something that's unexplainable is the hardest thing to believe yeah. in yeah i mean I've had, I've had a friend who's had something <clears throat> like very paranormal but because it hasn't personally happened to me i mean i i choose to believe them but what they said was quite believable but yeah like the one with my nan that happened to me so i know that's 100 percent. like yeah it happened to me but my friends they, they've owned their house for like 20 odd years they are they love like watching you know, like most wanted and you know all those kind of programs and we always used to you know wind them up a little bit but 
they started having like things going on in the house, like lights flickering, and she used to say that she used to see uh, an old boy that was from like the 1800s, like in the old clothing, and he used to sit yeah. at the bed. And she was kind of like not scared, uh, scared of it or anything. She was happy because like something she really liked. And then things started getting like worse for her. And then she said one night she woke up and she was awake, but she couldn't move. And something was holding holding her onto the bed. And she said she couldn't scream, she couldn't shout, she couldn't do anything. She couldn't move. She just felt this force holding her down, this pressure. And then all of a sudden it just, just went away. Yeah, that sounds like, um, scientists would call it sleep paralysis, but then there's the old hag tale that goes along with that. One of our friends has night terrors and he's had this happen to him a lot. I I was kind of, as soon as you mentioned somebody being sat at the end of bed, my mom went straight to the old hag, so then I wasn't surprised. She then woke up and, and couldn't move and something was on top of it. Yeah, but she said like she was awake. It's, I mean, obviously, you know, if it was, it was a night terror, can you tell sometimes if you're awake or not? But she said she was awake. She yeah. could look around the room with her eyes, but she couldn't move any part of her body because yeah. something was holding her down. And then just like that, it lifted. Uh, would you, would you say you were a full believer or are you a bit skeptical? I think there are elements that I'm skeptical about. I mean, if why had happened to me, I'd be a fool not to say. You know, to say I didn't believe in it. To what extent? I don't. I don't know how much. You know, I believe in something, and I've experienced something. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to investigating, and to try and find more information and some more truths. You know, and really get get in between what's actually truth and what's, you know, what's made up. I think I've become a bit more skeptical as I've got older. When I was younger. I used to believe pretty much anything anybody told me. Uh, but then obviously with reasoning and, and thinking how logical something is, I do try to go down a sceptical route. Yeah. But I am open to believing in things, if that makes sense. I just try to, I always try to see both sides of what's going yeah. on. Just go in with an open mind, listen to the facts, and then form your own opinion. Yeah, exactly. That's all you can do. Well, now that anybody listening has kind of got a bit of a feel for where we're coming from, we'll go into the next uh, little topic, which I'm, at the moment I've called it old and new. Cause, but uh, basically I found these stories and just had a bit of humour to this so that it's not all serious. Yeah. Um, I thought I'd share these because we live in a weird and wonderful world anyway. So this first one I've got, it was this story was published in savevisa.com. I have no idea what that is, but this was in uh, on the 25th of September 2020, and in Vietnam, the police confiscated 345,000 used condoms. Which <laughs> you're thinking to yourself, "Hang on, we're doing a paranormal show here. What's going on here?" Yeah, this is crazy. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, 345,000 used condoms, uh, which had been cleaned out and then resold as new. One of the women that was uh, reselling uh, these was arrested, and she explained that the condoms were boiled in water, dried, and placed on a wooden phallus to reshape the condom. 
I just when I read this, I just thought I have to mention this because it's just it's just stupid. Can you can you imagine having this job where you're boiling con- like dirty nasty condoms, boiling them and then the reshaping them? On this? I don't know. I didn't look that far into it, but three hundred and forty thousand. That's a lot of used condoms being reused by people. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I just seal the pack up and everything. Like, oh, or... I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe you go, but like, maybe she had like a little stall where they were like half price or something. But yeah, God knows. I just, I just had this vision of somebody turning up for work, putting on gloves and thinking, right, what have we got today? Faffing <laughs> about with these Johnnies. Stitch five of them together. Yeah, exactly. Second one I've got, uh, this was in the Scotsman on the 24th of August, and it was also in the Canberra Times in Sydney, the Telegraph, uh, on the 25th of August, 2006. Uh, so, basically, in this one's also phallic as well. <laughs> in a uh, these are just what popped up. I was like, I've got to share these. These these quite funny. In a Chicago airport, uh, security discovered a grenade-like object in Madin Azad Armin's luggage. Uh, he was 29 and flying to Turkey with his mum, and because he was too embarrassed to tell them that he had a penis enlargement pump in there. He told them that it was a bomb instead. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what the update is on this. Uh, I did try to look into it, uh, but he he was looking at spending three years in prison just because he was embarrassed uh, about this. But I just, I, again, I just it just You're made me smile reading it. Soon as, as soon as they search his case, they'll find out what it is. <laughs> Oh, they, they found out what it was straight away. It's just, why would you go down the route of saying it was a bomb in there? No, like, of all the things he could have said that was in there, or like, you know, told him to think he had to, apparently he whispered in her ear as well. <laughs> <laughs> just led to everything. There's a bomb in there. <laughs> right, now th- this one's the best one that I found out. That's the last. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this. Already. Yeah. The, the, uh, I laughed when I first read it. And then when I was doing the notes for this, I laughed again. And I've already started laughing before I've even read it out. This so, is brilliant. So that, there's no pressure on me now. I've got to laugh, basically. You, you're going to find this one. Hang on, I need to clap myself. Sorry. Right, so in dailystar.co.uk, uh, on the 9th of May 2020, a guy named Gary Denoya, who's 36, did an interview and he lives in New Jersey with his ghost girlfriend, Lisa. Right. They've been in a relationship for two years. Yeah. And he claims that COVID lockdown has ruined his relationship. <laughs> <laughs> There's more. There's more. Oh. Right. So he said, at first, we spent every day together for a month. <laughs> right? In that month, Lisa was my rock. She'd help me cook and fold laundry, which lo- we'd watch loads of TV and obviously have sex. At this point, I can't help but think this guy 
is just on his own, talking to his sofa, he does the laundry, cooking, watching TV, and, you know, just playing with himself a lot, right? But, you know, it could be real. It could be that it's his way of dealing <clears throat> with the, with being alone during the pandemic, because he's created something and he's unaware of it. Well, so he's been with her for two years, so that would have been before the pandemic. There's more, yeah. There's more, yeah. <laughs> so he continued. All the time, it was fun, but exhausting. I'm not in great shape, so it was hard to keep up. However, things took a tear for the worst. This past month, she's out all the time. Never tells me where she's going, just says she's going out with friends. She could be anywhere with anyone, and I've always felt secure in our relationship, but lately... We haven't been having as much sex. I'm worried that she's cheated on me. She says I'm being paranoid. I mean, I'm not crazy. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> this was weird. Right. So first of all, we got a guy with his ghost girlfriend. She was a bit of a sex pest and he couldn't keep up. Now, just... If she, like, I mean, he could have a ghost girlfriend. It's possible, I suppose. But if he hasn't, why is he creating so much drama for himself? Like, these are kind of dramas you have with a real girlfriend. That's how he makes it, re makes it real, by creating the issues he would expect to have. But let's just <sighs> focus on the fact, like, imagine if, it, if like, he is telling the truth. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's some shit bad luck that he's got his ghost girlfriend is now cheating on him. First off, I'd like to point out whether you're a ghost or not, you shouldn't be breaking COVID rules and going out <laughs> gallivanting. You never know that we might actually have a ghost girlfriend and it might, he might be experiencing all that shit. Yeah, there is that. I mean, I did uh, read not that long ago some woman who was married to a ghost pirate. After mentioning the comment section, if you've ever been in a relationship with a ghost, definitely. So, those are the funny stories I've got this month. I'm sure I'll find some feelers next month as well. So, uh, this is in the news as well. Uh, I thought it was best to mention this. But have you heard about those monoliths that have been appearing all around the world? No. Back in November 2020, uh, Utah, Utah officials found a mysterious monolith. Uh, while they were out counting big horn sheep. It was between 3 to 35 metres tall. Uh, sorry, I was going to say 3 to yeah, 35. That's, that's a bit of a distance. Between 3 to 3.5 metres. And they found it at the bottom of this like, sandstone gulch. If you, look, if you saw it, it has a lot of similarities to the scene at the beginning of 2001, A Space Odyssey, you know, where the apes are dancing yeah, around. Yeah. After a while, they, they tried to keep the location hidden, but you know how online users can use Google and pretty much find yeah, anywhere yeah. based off signs and all kinds. Found through using Google Maps that it must have been put there either between August 2015 and October 2016. One theory is that because Westworld was filmed there a bit before and that it may have been a prop that was left behind uh, or some materials left behind from there were used uh, to make it, but nobody's confirmed that, but like the producers and that, Westworld. 
monolith itself has now actually been removed. But the Bureau of Land Management uh, that own that land say that they aren't the ones that removed it. And apparently a video of an unknown group of people removing that mono monolith then circulated around the internet. Here's where it starts to get a little bit strange because that in itself, it doesn't sound all that strange really. But then another monolith soon appeared in California, uh, but that one was also torn down by a group of Christians and they replaced it with a cross. Yeah. Another monolith then appeared in Romania that also went missing soon after. And in December, a monolith appeared on a beach on the Isle of Wight, so a bit close to home for us. And then there's also been others that have appeared in Belgium, Spain, Germany, and Colombia. Some people have been talking about its aliens and stuff like that. So I just wondered what your thoughts were on that. I thought you would all over the news. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? It's like, like you say, the first part is an unknown group removing it. It's, I don't know, that kind of thing happens all the time, doesn't it? And the, the people who own the land say they haven't taken it. Well, they could just be lying. Well, then what's the point? But uh, the fact that they start showing up a little bit closer to home. Yeah. It's just weird. I mean, there's, you can't see anyone like copycatting it because what's the point? other than what to spread an internet rumour. So it does give you that, you know, that sense of like, it's weird, isn't it? That's just what it has to go down as, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, explanations for it. Well, as these things happen, similar to like years ago with crop circles, uh, some people have come forward saying they're responsible. So you've got an anonymous collective called the Most Famous Artist, they've taken credit for it, uh, for the Utah and the California ones. And they apparently sell replicas for 34 grand each. So it may have been a yeah, a money-making thing, but then they could just be making money from somebody else's situation. And then a designer from West Sussex named Tom Dunford, he claimed that the Isle of Wight monolith is doing, and he did it just as a joke, probably yeah. after seeing them. As for the others, uh, there's been no news that I could find about what's going on there. Seems like a lot of effort just for a joke, but I suppose it gets your name in the paper. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how sophisticated these monoliths are. I've, I'm not a metal worker myself, but I imagine it's not easy to just make a big piece of metal and then take it out and erect it in uh, whatever rock or sand or soil they do it in. The main case of today's show is uh, Amateurville Horror. What, what was your understanding of Amateurville? Uh, to be honest, I'd heard of the name, but nothing. I knew there was had a you, film. Had you not seen the movie? No, I haven't even seen the film. As much as I love horror films, and that's just one I haven't actually, I haven't actually watched yet. I mean, I'm got, following the research that we've that we've done. I am going to watch it, but no, at the moment, no, I don't know anything. Yeah. I, I remember watching the first one when I was a lot younger. I don't think it's impressed me all that much compared to all the other horror films I was watching. I did like the remake with Ryan Reynolds in, but I thought it could have been better in places, especially the ending, I think, if I remember rightly, was a bit, bit naff. The story starts with this case on November the 23rd, 1974. Now... 
police were called to 112 Ocean Avenue, where they found six people murdered. They were Ronald and Louise Defoe, and four of their children, uh, John, Mark, Allison, and Dawn. Uh, they were all found face down in the beds, and each one had been shot to death. Now, there was no signs of any struggle or use of sedatives, uh, which is questionable. Why? Why would people be face down in the bed? Yeah, after being shot. Well, we'll go into that a bit more in a minute. And why um, so people as well? Yeah. So the eldest son, Ronald Defoe Jr., uh, was the only surviving member. Uh, he claimed that he had to break into the house and found his family dead. He reacted by going back to the bar that he'd left earlier. He asked them for help, basically. Um, so the police investigation found that at 3.15 in the morning, Ronald Defoe Jr. had walked from room to room with a .35 caliber rifle with no silencer on, uh, just to add, and shot each of his family members. He then cleaned up the evidence, took a shower, drove out of town to ditch any evidence and then went to work at 6am. After work, he met up with his girlfriend and went for a drink at the bar where he asked for help, which is called Henry's Bar. All of these actions were seen as an attempt to create an alibi. When he was questioned, at one point he even tried to claim that his family had been killed by a hitman named Mazio who had uh, probably mispronounced that, who had apparently fell out with Ronald Depo, uh, Defoe Sr. two years prior, so apparently he had a grudge. Yeah, he was like trying to create an alibi for it. Yeah, yeah. With the possibility of the hitman story being true, Ronald Defoe Jr. was actually taken into poli the police station because uh, they wanted to protect him at the time in order for him to give a statement. And afterwards, it was noted that he, f he fell asleep straight away after giving the interview, which in itself it's is not going to open his The entire yeah. family's just been murdered. You yeah. fear your life. You're going to be scared. You're not. Sleep's going to be the last thing on your mind. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the police soon found that Ronald Defoe Jr. had staged the rob uh, had staged a robbery. Sorry, uh, two weeks prior on his own dad, and had tried to rob him of a substantial amount of money. Clearly, this didn't work. The police soon began to interrogate him, which led to inconsistencies. At one point, his story changed to Tony Matteo and his henchmen, which he couldn't give any kind of um, appearance or talent. Nothing. Yeah, uh, which is, again, questionable. Yeah. Apparently, they <clears throat> he tried to say that they led uh, Ronald Defoe Jr. from room to room and forced him to watch well some stories say that he was forced to watch them get killed and others say that he was forced to go from room to room and kill them himself uh, so i'm not sure what the truth is there well they're all fake obviously but you know what I mean. eventually he came clean and admitted that he killed his family he was found guilty a year later six counts of second degree murder and sentenced to six consecutive 25-year to life sentences and attempted pleading insanity. A few questions uh, with regards to that. First of all, if you're walking through a room uh, with a gun, 
which had no silence so nobody's been sedated or anything like that why and apparently this took about 15 minutes for him to go room to room and kill them why didn't none of the family wake up you'd, you'd wake up that first gunshot wakes the whole house up even if the first one didn't there was five others after when you get yeah. to the last person so it just does that it that it in itself it doesn't make bizarre. any sense does it um and i'm you know there was no signs that he you know tied people to the bed so they couldn't move or you know it, it's just a, a very weird situation isn't it like what makes him do that and how has he done it without a single one of them moving from being face down another thing as well none of the neighbors heard any gunshots either because you'd think a neighbor would have heard six so, shots go off and dead and i points to it then it, you know was there a silence when the police just didn't find it you know, i think they can tell from the bullets if it's gone to a silence. yeah i think it changes the way that it penetrates the body and things yeah so all forensics indicated that there was no silence involved but uh, then again stranger things have happened there could have been it with a pillow or something it, that, that could explain the neighbors but i think even with a pillow the people in the house should be hearing it the thing is as well though <clears throat> from my understanding uh, I, was, I speak to somebody who was um in the army and he said that silences don't actually silence weapons all that much like in a film it sounds like it proper muffles it yeah but within the household any silence that was would still give off a considerable amount of noise apparently i don't know how true that is but yeah that that's just that is just bizarre to me that six people because you think two or three of them at some point would have woke up and they're all face down as well like for one person it's weird when one person lies on the front but for a whole family they'd be fast asleep on the front yeah and what are the chances of all of them doing it at the exact same yeah same time like you know I sleep on my front, but sometimes you're on your back, aren't you? I mean, it's just weird that they were all on the front. So it makes you think, has something put them on the front, you know, yeah. and, and held them there? So as strange as it sounds, it does not um, not back up, but certainly suggests that, you know, his final confession that, you know, something was making him do it. Yeah, he did. He did paranormal that was something that was just controlling and holding them down yeah there there are some theories that there was a second person involved as well um there, that for them i mean i'm pretty sure if he was looking at all those life sentences he probably would have met them yeah I'd, so I'd, i don't know and then Thing is about 14 months after on december the 18th 1975 due to obviously this murder happening to the defoe family price of that property dropped to something like i think you said eighty thousand yeah i think it dropped about eighty thousand dollars didn't it which i think was quite quite low for that kind of residence um, it just i think it dropped in price didn't it by eighty thousand Basically, George and Kathy Lutz, they snapped it up because it was a bargain. And they moved in, three children, uh, from the previous marriage. They they were fully aware 
that this murder had happened. He did have slight concerns, I think, but I don't think they were too bothered about it. I think I read somewhere that George stated that when people are dead, that's it, it's over. Nothing yeah, else if, if a person's not a believer, then they've, they've got nothing to fear and they're just going to get themselves a cheap house, aren't they? Yeah, which apparently he was quite the atheist before all of this stuff happened. After these events, he became quite a devout Christian uh, or Catholic, whichever. So this this event really did change his life, if yeah. it was true. When they moved in, this is quite strange considering people were murdered. They requested that they leave the previous owner's furniture in the house so that it was already furnished. Like, I can understand if you needed more furnishings, then yeah, but they literally kept the beds in there that these people had been murdered in. See, that's just creepy, isn't it? Like... Could you sleep in a bed knowing, whether you be, no matter what you believe in, could you yeah. sleep in a bed knowing that someone had been shot? I couldn't, though. Apparently, they did change the mattresses, but it's still the bed frames and stuff. Somebody, yeah. like, yeah, that's, that is bizarre. That's crazy. I just wouldn't be doing that. Even if, even if somebody had, like, died of natural causes, I wouldn't want to sleep on the bed, really. But, no. Never mind being murdered. I mean, obviously, you know, they would have been, you know, it's obvious they would have had to change the mattresses because they would have been blood soaked and probably taken in as evidence and, you know, bullet holes in them. But it's, it's just, it's weird, isn't it? Like, why would you, why would you mean maybe keeping some downstairs furniture? Even then, though, you know, if the crimes were upstairs, you'd still feel a bit weird keeping it. You'd yeah. Maybe say leave it initially and over time replace it with your own, but. No, I think the beds for me, straight away, I'd like these beds need to be out and gone. The I mean, it says it says possible that those bullets penetrated that with blood on from the victims as well, though. So, I mean, I know it's not a big deal, but for me personally, I'd be like, there's possible traces of that still even just on the bed frame. Yeah, I mean, looking at where the beds are on the images we've seen, you, you say there'd be trace evidence anyway on the walls so oh yeah yeah you know and who's who's going to be the person cleaning the house anyway like someone looking to sell it and get it gone you don't know how good a job they've done a cleaning anyway i'm surprised the beds weren't actually taken out of like evidence stuff anyway and i think back then as well he just very basic isn't it they just and plus they've got the suspect you know they didn't need to do yeah, true. That much police work that it did do because his story was just had so many inconsistencies and fell apart. Yeah, true. Just leaves those last couple of questions unanswered about why did nobody wake up? Yeah. Well, the Lutz family, after moving in, they claimed that from day one, unnatural things started to happen around the house. So, Within the first couple of days, first of all, there was uh, typical, typical poltergeist activity of loud noises and bangs around the house. Windows and doors would open and close on their own. George also began to hear, uh, in one instance, a brass band marching around in the house downstairs. And apparently when he went down there, they'd, like the furniture had all been moved. Yeah. The, the, this brass band stopped as soon as he entered, but all the furniture had been moved out of the way and the rug had even been lifted up because apparently you could hear like pattering 
on the floor as well. In the middle of the night, there was an instance where the front door like completely slammed and uh, George off, he came running down thinking that somebody had a broke into the house or something. Door was perfectly fine, all locked up and everything, and the dog was even fast asleep in front of the door. I mean, he could put that down, so he probably woke up from a nightmare, and that but it is still strange. Yeah, because normally like animals will pick up on things, don't they? So you'd expect like the dog or something. So if the dog wasn't barking, that's really yeah. It sounds like it could be more something in his head than anything. But then you're what? talking about someone who isn't doesn't believe in this stuff, so he shouldn't be feeling unsettled really about anything. But. You know, you never really know how your brain's going to process information and, and display it to you. But um, just going back to what you said about the furniture being removed, one of my uh, my dad's old friends, he uh, used to own a house uh, down south, and he was having a lot of issues with furniture, was moving and stuff, and it was just little things like, you know, a chair facing the wrong way and stuff, and at first you just think, like, you know, did I put it that way? Am I, you know, am I imagining yeah. it? And then, like, things started to like to move but it was never when he was in the room it was like he'd left the room or he'd go to work or he'd go to bed and things would be different when he came back down and then on the last time before he left the house and never went back when he returned home all of his furniture was stuck to the ceiling really and i know what you're thinking like oh i was someone was pranking him or stuff but no there was like his sofa the tv it was literally like someone how would, someone how had would you even pull that off as a prank i don't know it's literally like someone had just picked the room up and just stuck it on the ceiling. Everything like the TV was on top of its unit, the sofa. It's just like the house was upside down. Well, did they get photos of that and stuff for? Well, no, which you would, but you're talking like we didn't have camera phones or anything then and he run, yeah. he just run out and never went back to it and he sold the house and he sold it with all the possessions in and everything. Yeah, I suppose, well. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those ones where it's like, I mean, when you call you call bull on it, but he was ve- felt very strongly about it. Yeah, and it's a hell of a story he's made up if it's just something to tell your mates. Yeah, you know, there's no selling your story or newspaper article about it or anything. He's, it was very weird, but I just thought like with you mentioning about the furniture being moved, and obviously it's been well documented that you know when the people have had either like poltergeist or certainly paranormal experiences furniture have been moved and it's not uncommon you know I, I don't know if you've ever drunk in the leopards but that's quite popular known for being haunted and apparently there's mornings where they come back in and they'll find like furniture put up like if I, I think at night they put furniture up to you know clean the floors and that and yeah. they and found it all taken down or put in different places within the room so it's, it seems to be a common thing that furniture be moved and yeah. well, I, I mean, save them a job in the morning anyway won't it the ghost just helping out <laughs> well there is that but I, th- I think the i think if i remember rightly the the furniture was put in places that made it more of an inconvenience and stuff yeah um, yeah it's just put in really strange places and you know That's just knob. yeah whatever was there wanted people to know that it was there Either that or the had an employee that was seriously taking the mix. So we can uh, do a, a special some sometime this year when the pandemic allows, and uh, see if we can 
maybe shoot an episode down there maybe take the video cameras with us and we'll see if we can catch i was hoping for that because when i was a student in my first year at uni we actually i mean it says on my channel what um one of my older youtube channels uh where we did it about molly lee near ties to the leopard it's all a bit disjointed it's not the best documentary it was early on when we were doing film and they let us go in and interview them and stuff and uh, even go around the top of the hotel because uh, there's like a hotel at the back of that pub it's yeah. all derelict and knackered they let us go through that they went let us go through twice i went through with my uni friends and then i went through me mates here back home but the issue with that is apparently the leopards closed down now so oh. i don't know how you would get around that i don't know who you'd speak to because when when it was somebody running the bar it was just a case of sweet talking them and letting them let you through but yeah but i, I did think about that before so fingers crossed somebody starts running that pub again and we can well we've got a, a lot of time before we'll be allowed to mix in person and, and do this kind of thing so time's on our side at the moment i hope that pub reopens i like that pub yeah. <laughs> even if i've never seen anything ghostly there yeah i mean obviously yeah. chances of seeing something but it's just so that we could put you know video and pictures to the stories that we've heard yeah. and maybe we could do like just a, a feature episode on you know well, de- well definitely oh. we'll definitely have to do a, a special with like a lot of our local stuff so things like molly lee obviously the leopard as best as we can there yeah. i think that's uh the black-eyed children and canic which is it's a bit out of stoke but it's still this kind of general area so we'll have to do a special yeah. on that. basically the lutz family decided to get the house blessed uh because of all this weirdness that was going on by a priest and while doing the blessing he heard a disembodied voice yelled get out a bit cliche there but yeah that's what he heard did scare the priest to the point where he didn't finish the blessing and ended up ended up leaving he admitted many years later that he had actually been slapped around the face in that incident so upon returning to his rectory the priest called the lutzes again and advised them to stay out of the bedroom where he'd been attacked obviously one of the rooms where somebody had been killed during this call priest heard heavy static on the line and the call was cut off and he allegedly ended up getting boils and blisters all over his hands as well as signs of stigmata yeah so i i imagine that kind of freaked him out a bit i don't think he ever returned to the house after that any is there any documented evidence for this because we're talking what 1975 so well from what i could gather from where I can gather, from all the bits that I've read and watched, he kind of changed his story a lot. At yeah. first, he downplayed it, which is why he didn't mention that he'd also been slapped. He kind of just bailed out and left them. He didn't really give any information. But then, in an interview with Ed and Lorraine uh, Warren, I believe the surname is, he apparently divulged more information with them but they weren't allowed to talk about it so it's a question of how much do you believe them 
because yeah. it's easy for you to say that such and such person told me this. If you're telling them they can't say these things, that that this is where they, they open themselves up for, for the controversy of people thinking it's a hoax. Yeah. Well, if you've had this thing, this sort of stuff go on, who is who? What agency or who's coming in and telling you you can't say this? This needs to be quiet. No one's got that authority to tell you that. Yeah. So they should be like taking pictures. They should be documenting. They should be sending the thing. If they want people to believe them, they need to do everything possible to show everybody what's going on. From where I can gather, I think he tried to downplay it, probably because of the things that happened with the stigmata and that probably freaked him out and he didn't really want to talk about it. But then I think I read somewhere that he signed an affidavit. So obviously there was some legal thing where he had to be honest about it. And that's where he divulged a bit more information. But then, like you say, at some points that he wasn't allowed to discuss this and then he was allowed. So, it's, I mean, he is a priest at the end of the day. He, I you suppose to, he could have the the hierarchy of the church saying keep we don't want any, we don't want you know any talk yeah and at the same time you have to believe that a priest isn't going to lie to you I, I know there's all jokes about priests and yeah, stuff yeah but i fundamentally you're supposed to believe whatever a priest tells you and that they're less likely to lie to you about things so yeah. but he, that's what makes that interesting that's actually a third party that's not a member of the house uh this had stuff happen to them yeah yeah so after this priest visits uh things began to get much worse around the house so the family witnessed a demonic creature standing outside the house looking through the window um, when they went outside and investigated uh they found uh they looked like hoof prints outside because it had lightly snowed apparently yeah. And those prints were left there. The children all began sleeping on the stomachs at night, and Kathy began having nightmares about the Defoe family. That would freak me out if yeah. my kids started sleeping the way that the previous six people had been found dead. Yeah. Which um, they must have read the papers, they must have known it because they must have made a scene of how strange that was at the time. For what they were experiencing, they would have started, if they didn't know everything about the house in the first place, they would have researched what went on. Yeah. I, I, don't, I think when you buy a house, if something, something bad has happened, don't I mean, they? I think they need to disclose what's happened, yeah. but not, they don't need to go in details. Yeah, so, I guess so. The Lutz family would have probably, after started experiencing things, just said, like, let's just look into what actually happened. And then it must freak you out to see your own children to yeah. start sleeping on the front and because uh, I, I think they started having uh, like green slime, didn't they, uh, oozing out of the walls? Yeah, so I think they changed it in the first film to blood coming out the walls. But I mean, I don't know if that's supposed to like people would say that was ectoplasm or whatnot. But yeah, there was some. Apparently, it was really smelly as well. It gave off like a really bad putrid smell. Yeah, it's just... all in all, you wouldn't want that coming out of your walls even if your house wasn't haunted. You'd... Around 3 o'clock, well, 3.15 uh, every night, George would wake up and go outside to check the boathouse. After a while, he realised that that was the same time 
that Ronald Defoe Jr. apparently went through the house and killed the family. On some nights, Kathy found herself being embraced by somebody in bed, only to then realise she was alone. And on other nights, she was actually beaten, scratched. And on one, in one case, George even witnessed a levitating off the bed. That's, again, the, the things that these are saying now isn't, you know, it, that is also documented in other cases. Yeah. You know, so it's not like they're coming up with something. I mean, I've never personally heard of, like, green slime coming from walls and stuff. That's kind of new to me. But people with scratches, bruises, being pinned to the bed, levitate, that kind of thing has been documented so you could say like you know a lot of people do say the same sort of things so are these things actually happening well a lot of people did point out that the things that apparently happened there's a lot of similarities to things that have been seen in the exorcist yeah uh, thing uh, there's a couple of other films and i can't think of them at the laugh of me what they are but basically are these things had been in seen in cinema movies so yeah. There, there is that question of was it all fabricated? Are they replicating what they see in the films to make it realistic? Down in the cellar, I believe, uh, at one point, Kathy found a hidden room in the basement that they called the Red Room, and their family dog would not enter that room at all. Uh, George tried to bring the dog down, and it's the only time he'd ever seen uh, the dog kind of act scared and not want to be somewhere yeah but animals just have that sixth sense don't they they think yeah. like they're always barking at corners or you know it, it's just weird if if, the, if a dog won't go in a certain room or go in a certain place or you, you see them don't they like just looking and they're just looking around the room that re- that red room apparently proper stunk apparently there was like a really bad odor in there like like a deathly kind of odor uh but it wasn't it wasn't exclusive to that red room either yeah. some rooms apparently emitted odors sometimes it was perfume but then other times it basically smelled like excrement yeah which yeah you can't really hide the smell of excrement can you no so i, I but then again if it if it's distinctly excrement it could be a plumbing issue I mean, yeah it's not something that's you know that's paranormal i mean the fact that it goes from perfume to, to that smell as you know his wife sprayed air freshener as someone tried to cover the smell and then yeah but it's certainly it's weird isn't it yeah out of all the things that's probably the most explainable to be yeah. fair because it even clanging and banging and stuff can be down to pipes in the house. Yeah, pipes, old house. This is a bit less explainable though. Uh, one of Kathy's crucifix, uh, crucifixes, sorry, turned itself upside down. And again, at that moment that that happened, a horrible smell filled the room. Yeah, uh, that's unless someone in the house is playing a prank, which I can't see why they would do that. Yeah, that's that's not explainable other than it's a, either a hoax or they have got some serious paranormal issues and whatever would be doing that in that house is not happy yeah it's definitely. just not going to be a nice place to be 
I mean, for uh, me personally, I'd have been gone long before this. I'd have been out. When they were upstairs, uh, George would hear a badly tuned radio at times as well. You know, like when you have an alarm clock yeah. with the radio in, and sometimes it's not fully tuned, so it sounds terrible in the morning. You could hear that kind of noise coming from downstairs. Uh, so whenever he'd go down to check out this place, it'd stop playing. That, again, could just be made... I mean, it could be made up. Well, I don't even know if alarm clock radios existed back then. So. Yeah, I think they would have. I mean, it's, this is all going to come back to the to how much that you believe. Yeah. Because everything that they've said can be explained by either lies or people playing pranks to make it look like there's something. But then you just got to look at it like, why? What's the point? You know, yeah. why would family buy this house? They've got to steal... Getting it for getting it so cheap. Why would you leave the house after twenty eight days? Well, the thing is, one of the theories is that this was all fabricated because the family were in debt and stuff and stuff like that. But there's there's two flaws in that theory. First of all, they've not even been in the house for twenty eight days, so they probably haven't even paid the first mortgage yet mortgage payment so they they'd not been in the house long enough to accumulate any kind of debts that they needed to dig themselves out of at that stage and second it's a massive gamble to think to yourself i'm going to create a massive hoax which will make me a lot money in the wrong long run because they didn't know that somebody was going to create a book of it they didn't know that it would then create films all the time and as it <clears throat> excuse me uh to be fair i don't think they've ever actually made that much money from this i think they've made some money from it yeah. obviously plus you've got to look at it like they just bought this house they've got a mortgage to pay so they still need to pay that they need to sell that house on so it doesn't make good business to buy a house live in it for 28 days claim there's all this power yeah. going on and then list it for sale because it's going to take you months, if not years, to sell it. Won't be twenty-one yeah. people, and you're going to have to knock so much money off it that you'd fundamentally lose money, wouldn't you? Yeah, so. you can see that's where the debt's going to come in. Because if they've spent eighty thousand dollars on a house, you might sell the house for fifty, thirty, thirty grand in debt. Yeah, I mean that idea is just a massive gamble. If you're even the the most daring gambler, you wouldn't even see that kind of outcome coming there's, from there's no so. point gambling with it is it there's no you're not going to make <clears> any you can't say i'm going to create a hoax because someone will make a film or write a book about it because the chances of that happening are one in a million yeah i don't even think people it was that thing back then either yeah people experience paranormal things every day but no one hears about it and it doesn't get publicized because people either just tell a friend or the family or yeah you know and it gets dismissed so the fact that they bought a house, which is a big commitment, and then after tw- only 28 days just left it, that speaks volumes that, that to me, like, I don't think they were lying. See, that, I, I think that works in the favour as well a little bit, to be fair. Yeah. I, d- I don't believe the, um, this idea that they did it for money and stuff, because I, I don't see how they possibly would have seen the profit that this would have brought. 
And like I say, I don't even think it was all that profitable for them anyway, compared to the millions that film companies make. I think they only ever saw like a very minute fraction of that. George at one point witnessed Red Eyes staring at him from outside of one of the... Well, he was outside and he saw somebody staring at him from one of the bedrooms. I think his son was stood with him and also vouches that this happens. Uh, who didn't actually talk until like 2012 about these events, yeah. and then he did come forward and and claim a lot of this stuff happened. Yeah, when he ran up there, uh, I've seen two things to this. One says that he ran up there and there was nobody up there. Another says that he went up there and like when he saw this figure, his daughter Jody. Uh, no, sorry, Jody is what they called it. What the daughter was in the room with it but when he ran up she was fast asleep and there was nothing in the room one of the children named missy who i believe is the little girl she had an imaginary friend that she claimed had pig-like features and uh had red eyes and she named it jody yeah. now in 2012 the son that saw a thing in the window with george also claimed that it, it had like pig-like features uh, and a kind of wolf smile. I don't know if it just looks strange or if that would actually be scary. I imagine it's scarier if they actually did see it. I think, yeah, seeing anything like that's going to make you scary, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's interesting seeing somebody with a pig head, to be fair, is a bit weird. Especially in your house while you're outside, family's still in the house. Yeah. So, yeah, while playing alone, she would whistle to herself. And as she'd leave the room, she'd stop whistling. And then as she'd come back in from whatever she was doing, she would literally pick up, carrying on whistling from where she left off. Yeah. Which, that that is a bit strange behaviour, but I don't know, kids do weird things. Yeah, it's explainable, isn't it? Windows and doors were frequently damaged. There was a demonic creature that was seen in a fireplace uh, with half of its head missing. Um, yeah. That's a bit weird. I mean, normally you would, you'd see some like whenever they say they see kind of like demonic entities and stuff. It's never normally with half of its head gone. Yeah, so I understand the logic there. But George was also bitten by a lion ornament, uh, which was in the living room. That's that's a bit strange. Yeah, that's another one that's unexplainable again. Again, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I find that one a bit odd, though, to be fair. I think I've seen that in another film. Yeah. is it? I think it was in The Shining book where uh, statues come to life. I don't think it was in the film, but that we, one there. We could do a lot looking at a timeline for this thing, like what came first of the... I know. think Shining was out before then, which back then was a big book for Stephen King and quite popular stupid wouldn't you if you're hoaxing something <clears throat> to take something from a popular book or film and say oh yeah this happened to me because again like yeah you've ripped that off from the shining yeah you know it's... that's it yeah I, I i mean you don't know as well some of these things may have happened and then others they might have just because the author of the book was saying that he was writing the book you don't know if he they started them saying, oh, we'll make these little bits up. 
yeah. just to make it sound a bit more exciting. The same way that every time the film gets made, they add stuff that never happened in there just to make the, the film a little bit more exciting and a bit less boring. Yeah, can we just add as well, if there's any listeners that are listening to this, they're just starting to, to research into the Amityville horror. So if you guys fill in any gaps or if you know anything that we've missed or you just want to talk about it, then just comment in the comment section and we'll we'll get back to you and we could maybe do a part two to this to fill in if there's any gaps that have been missed. To add on that, what we'd like to do in future as well is if you've had any kind of strange events, it doesn't have to... Uh, do with Amateurville. If you want to share any strange paranormal experiences you've had, write them in the comments section. We will always keep an eye on it and, and see what people are writing and try to write back and speak with you as much as we can. I, I was thinking further down the line, we might read some of these comments and kind of share some of these uh, events that people have had. And like you say, with Amateurville, if there's new information there, we could always do updates uh, moving forward uh, for anything that we've missed. Uh, we look forward to re hearing what everybody's got to say. So yeah, George at one point as well uh, witnessed Kathy transform into an old, uh, a proper old hag uh, with sli uh, saliva dripping down her mouth. But apparently this lasted for quite some time, uh, up to a couple of hours, which Again, this happens in The Shining. I think it's room 213 or 217. Yeah. Might even be 219. It doesn't matter anyway. There's a room that little Danny goes into and there's like old hag in there. And when his dad goes in there, he sees a young woman and she turns all old. I think they did it in the film. It freaked me out in the film. Yeah. But this sounds very similar to that. The only difference with this is Apparently, here this happened, and her mother saw it, and she didn't live in the house with them. But she vouched that she'd seen a daughter age into an old woman. Okay, so at least it's a it's a family member, so they could be in on it with them. But at least we're starting to get more people who are actually starting to see things at the moment. It's just heavily based around that family. Here's the thing, though. I I don't. I, if I went to my mum and said, Luke, I'm doing a hoax, I need you to think. My mum would be like, no, I'm just not doing it. I'm not opening myself up for this kind of being the yeah, but, of jokes and I don't stuff. I think my parents wouldn't do it either, but there are all different kinds of people in the world, aren't there? Yeah. All the time. Certainly, like, the, the day and age we're in now, you know, like Facebook and YouTube, and it's full of people doing pranks on the families. And now the more really staged pranks, and the whole family is doing it together, aren't they? So, yeah, I guess so. If you know they've said like, oh, this is what we want to do. We want to, we're going to try and, you know, get some publicity off this. Maybe you know, maybe they intended to do it to just get, you know, some newspaper articles out of it. You know, and just get a couple of cash payments, or, and it just got way bigger than. And that you never know, but so it's not out the realms of the possibility that the mum was in on it as well. It's just it's going to always come down to that, like what what do you believe, doesn't it? I mean, some of like you say, what that what's happened is mirror mirroring films and books, which 
It's not very inventive. Yeah, they are all stuff that was around from that period as well. So it's not even. I don't know that. For me, that does bring it into a bit. It does make me question it a bit. Uh, but with the mother scene, you got to remember: the more people you evolve in a lie, the more likely it is to fall apart. Yeah. So. None of this family have ever come forward and said that this is a lie. Even the children that don't want to be involved in there, none yeah. of them have even come forward and said, Luke, my parents made it up or anything like that. In fact, the opposite has happened. I mean, you've also got to add, I mean, what now it's 2021. Uh, the house last sold in 2017, uh, 605,000. You know, and I know it's had several owners. If there was truly something in this house, would these people have all experienced something? Yeah, I'd also... at least some of them to say, we experienced this, we experienced that. Like, how did things just just stop with that one family? Yeah, uh, there there is actually a slight theory of that. Uh, apparently, the the son claimed that George looks actually into the occult and is part part of the reason why he wanted the, per- the furniture left in there yeah. because anybody dealing with the occult and knowing death and stuff would kind of know that, that I, I believe it could increase whatever kind of dark stuff they're doing. Apparently he said that he, he was into the occult and that so it could have been a case that He'd done a bit too much. It got out of hand. But then when they moved, it kind of dissipated, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's one theory. I was assuming it was all real, of course. Um, I did see uh, one theory where they said that you know, the green slime that was coming from the walls in the keyhole followed them to, I think, was it the mother-in-law's house or certainly to the car? So there was another theory that potentially... The spirit that was in the house left and followed them. Yeah. It was attached to them. Yeah, and I, I only saw one thing where it said that when they followed, when they went to the mother, that I think it, I think it had been become like a black ooze at that point. Yeah. But then, I, I, I all this stuff that I've seen, nothing, no, nothing else mentions that, so I'm not one hundred percent sure about it. I like to say I've not read the book. book sorry, yeah. it may have been in the book that Alamo may have, so I'm not quite sure. But that would indicate that it had followed him or was no longer at the 112 Ocean Avenue residence. Yeah. So, but then they've not really said they've been haunted for years after or anything like that, because I imagine. They told everybody about what was happening in the Amityville house, and if it was still happening to them, I'm sure they would have, you know, made a yeah, sign of it. The, the people who are in it now just want to live a normal life in a normal house. So they've even changed the address of the house to stop yeah. visitors. It's now 108 Ocean Avenue to stop the visitors coming and taking pictures and wanting to ask questions. And you know, like, and if you know, people are obviously interested in this, and if you live you know, close enough to drive, you know, it might be worth a drive to go and see, but people, you know, if, if there were things going on, 
for one, you wouldn't stay in the house unless you were crazy. And two, you've got all these people asking you questions. You might get the odd reporter come by. You'd be like, yeah, this has happened, this has happened. But there's nothing it's completely. Yeah. So it gives two two answers. Either the spirit was attached to the family and it left with them, or it's a hoax. The only thing with that is because I watched the uh, Ed and Lorraine uh, interview earlier. They mentioned that when they visited the residents, well, the new owners of the house after the Lutzes moved out, they said that nothing had happened. However, Ed could smell that excrement type smell and they claimed that they'd spilled coffee a week before. Yeah. But again, it could have been just piping. But apparently their car caught fire in the drive as well. Uh, at some point, but that's kind of outside of the house, so it could just be a coincidence. Uh, and and again, the this is Ed Warren that's saying this. It's not actually the residents of yeah. the house. So he could have just been found in just gonna Yeah, he's going to benefit from the publicity of saying these things, isn't he? Yeah. You want to hear things from the people who, like if a bit, yeah, yeah, if what it happened, what if he's if what he said's true, that would lead to the conclusion that there is still something in the house, which would then mean that the people who have owned the house since would have experienced something. Yeah. Because let's face it, if there's already a film and a book about it, there's all the controversy, is it a hoax, is it not a hoax? If you own that house now, or any one of those four people, you just, you could say, I'm in the house from Amityville Horror, this is happening now. This is what's happened. This has happened. This has happened. You're guaranteed you're going to get another person coming to want to write another book, and there might be another another film, another you know sequel to it. It's a license to print money, but no one's done it. Yeah, that's a good point actually. Because that anybody that has owned that house could have easily just played on this story. You could say, oh, they're not interested. They don't need the money. But it's four families. Mm. Four families. You've got a thing. Are not interested. Don't want the money, don't want the publicity. Yeah, that is. It could happen, it could happen, but it's the likelihood is that nothing's gone on in the house when they've been there. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That is a good point, actually. On the 28th day of living in the Amtable house, uh, they attempted a second blessing, but things got so bad that they ended up fle- uh, fleeing from the house. And they even refused to say what happened for quite some time after about that final night. Um, I don't think they've ever fully divulged exactly what happened there. And they described it as too terrifying to talk about. So uh, the only information uh, that they provided is that they fled to Kathy's mother's uh, where that black, greenish, slimy liquid chased them up the stairs in that house as well but then they don't specify how they got away what happened or if anything started at the mother's house nothing yeah. and as most people know when they left they left all the possessions in the house and a removal van was sent to collect some of the stuff and they reported it that they that they didn't experience anything paranormal while they were in the house in February 1976, a Channel 5 news team 
uh, did a live news feed at 112 Ocean Avenue. The two famous demonologists, Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, they performed a seance. Uh, they said that they could sense an unearthly presence and Ed suffered from heart pal palpitations while they were there, uh, which he blamed on the house's phenomenon. Yeah. He did actually, in the interview that they did after, he did suffer a heart attack soon after. And Lorraine made the point that most of the male crew had also suffered from heart, heart attacks after, and I believe one or two of them had actually passed from these heart attacks. And one of the crew members named Duke even collapsed while they were filming. I don't think it was a heart attack, but while they were filming, he, he collapsed in the house at the time. They confirmed that the house was haunted and that they claimed that it was haunted by evil spirits of the Shinnecock Indians, as the land that the house was built on, specifically where the boathouse was, is where the Indians put their mentally ill. No Indians were ever buried on that patch of land because they believed it was infested by demons because of these uh, mentally ill that had been on, on that land. The Amateurville horror then became famous because an author, Jay Anson, released the book called The Amateurville Horror, claiming that it was a true story. The book is what led to the case, as I say, becoming so popular and also getting movie spin-offs and yeah. stuff based off the book. Now, there was a man called Dr. Stephen Kaplan, and he was the executive director of the Parapsychology Institute of America. And he actually received a call from George Lutz asking to investigate the house. And he was asked how much it would cost. Dr. Kaplan told him that it was completely free. But Dr. Kaplan did explain that there was one condition and that if the investigation proved that the haunting was a was like a fake or a hoax that he would let the public know george did originally agree to the conditions but then he ended up cancelling several days later with the excuse that he and his family didn't want the publicity which is a fair point Hats kaplan later pointed out that the call with george was very strange he asked george to describe the phenomena that had occurred george couldn't explain anything but stated that it was caused by demons. George then claimed that he knew the names of the demons, but knew not to say their names, as it would cause more trouble. And he also indicated that he had read a lot of books on the occult since moving into the house, uh, which also... These little things that he said here, it does kind of give a bit of credence to what his son said about maybe being into the occult. I mean, yeah. it's... I mean, you're dealing with poltergeist activity for somebody who's not really interested in the paranormal to start talking about demon stuff would imply that. Yeah, something scared him. Then as he read something that says, like, you do not speak the name. Yeah. But then I'm... he went to this person. But, you know, I mean, why did he go to him if he didn't want the publicity? Didn't want the publicity. It screams that he got scared when he said, but I will out you if it's a hoax. Yeah, here's the thing, though. 
he obviously backed out of it and used the excuse that he didn't want the publicity and so on. But Dr. Kaplan was surprised to find that several days later, he saw the live news of Ed and Lorraine Warren doing their investigation in the house. So obviously this made him pretty suspicious at this point. Uh, because obviously they said they didn't want publicity, and yet he's sat here a few days later with the watching news. Yeah, two other people doing the investigation. So light bulbs started going off. Then thinking, hang on, like you said, the mention of if it's fake, we'll report it. Did they that that he gets scared because of that reason? He started investigating at this point. He found that the the red room that they mentioned, just like an access wall uh, to pipes, uh, there was no sign of any windows and doors being damaged. All the original fixtures and framework and so on, they were all still in place and there was no signs of any repairs. He also found that there had been no snow, uh, snowfall during uh, their residence at the house, which kind of dis. Like it gets rid like that, yeah. yeah, about the the snow outside, uh, and that's from a weather report on a live radio station in 1979. So this is some years after the the whole. So four years incident. later, William Weber stated that the Amateurville horror was a fiction, and that it had been created over drinks with George Lutz, and uh, hoax would open up a new defence trial for his client, who was actually Ronald Defoe Jr., and it would solve George Lutch's financial problems. So again, he's claiming they discussed about it. <clears throat> it would fix his financial problem, which, uh, again, I still don't believe he was in the house 28. But th this would have actually... He, he must be thinking of interviews and stuff, like charging for newspapers, magazines, TV yeah. interviews. Yeah, but again, using this whole thing that. Yeah, but when you link it to the to the murders before, that's where you can guarantee there will be some involvement from the media because yeah, be, in a town like that, that's going to be a big trial. Yeah, I suppose so. so. He's now using this as a, as an excuse, and then something like the paranormal. There are going to be you, you could see now that that does credit the the hoax side because yeah. That will, you can pretty much guarantee there will be, you know, if, if people want that interview enough, you can name your price. See, using it in the excuse for Ronald Defoe, yeah, I get that point of it. But using the whole financial crisis thing again, when by this point they wouldn't have even hit the 28 days living in the house, this would probably would have been. But they could have, had the debt. they could have had the debt previous, it could be a gambling debt. We don't yeah, know. I guess so. It's not necessarily a debt with the house. It could be, you know, it could be an off the books debt. You know, he owes people money. So that's not going to show up with his bank statements and he could still be approved for mortgages. And I think back then it'd be a lot easier to get a mortgage. Yeah, I suppose uh, so. But, because they'll just repossess the house if you don't pay for it. Yeah. Whereas, so it could, he could be in debt. It could be inherited debt. There's, there's loads of ways he could have got debt. And if you can guarantee that there's going to be media interest, which linking it to the previous murders, you can do. Um, 
you can you can name your if, if the story is good enough you can name your price to the to the press and each one of them is going to have to pay to use your use your pictures to use your story they want that that interview you know so it could solve all these problems and like you say it could you know give that error of doubt to the jury who are going to be looking into the to the previous murders and if there's that error of doubt you can't you can't give a guilty verdict so it's starting to come together as <clears throat> why this was all done a local newspaper evidently showed George Lutz apparently having a garage sale on the property the day after they had apparently fled from the house. There was also no record of any calls to the police uh, during their time at the house. They never once called in and said weird, weird stuff was going on around the house. Here's uh, one su- surprising fact, though. Whether you believe it's a hoax or if it was real. Both George and Kathy have always stated that it was real. But both Kathy and George both took a lie detector test and they both passed it that everything they said was true. Yeah. Which that that is It is. They can be fake though. You can <clears throat> practice and beat them. It's not easy to do. Here's the thing, though. Maybe if George was so determined for this story to work, then maybe you could do it. But two of them taking the test and passing. I would have been more impressed if they'd had the son take the test. We'll never know. It's it's always going to go down. Like it, you know, people can look at the evidence and they, they can form their own opinion, go in with an open mind. Yeah, people will can will believe what they want to believe. I found a bit more information. You've not seen these notes, so did these today. The author of the book, he actually had an heart attack after writing the book. Um, he refused to say that it was caused by all this Amateurville stuff, and he did acknowledge it was just through bad life habits and smoking and stuff. But here's where it gets a little bit weird. Three of the author's friends had early copies of the manuscript, all had like brushes with death. The first one that was in possession of the manuscript, his car actually caught fire, just apparently spontaneously from how I could see it. The second one, while the manuscript was in his trunk of the car, his car veered off into either a pond or a lake, and Emmett is him and his son nearly drowned and apparently when they opened the trunk the manuscript was perfectly fine it was undamaged the third friend had the first two chapters of the story and he actually died in a car fire uh, sorry no in a fire and again when they were looking around those remains those chapters actually found to be undamaged i've only seen one source that mentions all this so i don't know how true it is yeah um but i'd never heard of this part of the amateurville horror before yeah that the story itself was um you know jinxed maybe it's certainly one that like me personally i'm going to do some more research and i know i need to watch the film i'm definitely going to watch the film because i want to 
just learn and just see if I can form more of an opinion because I think at the moment I'm leading towards hoax which yeah. when we started this research that's I didn't think I'd end up that way. I thought I'd be thinking, you know, it's legitimate, but I think I don't know anywhere near enough to form an opinion yet. Yeah, I'm a bit. See, I, I'm a bit the, the opposite because when I was doing the research, I was going, I, I believe more that it was genuine. But yeah. upon reading some of this stuff back and it kind of, the, you know, the cogs in my head going. It yeah. sounds a bit more hoaxy to me this time around. Definitely, we'll have to see what the see what the listeners think. See if they can put their comments in. So we'll get we'll do more research. We'll, you know, see if we can find. We're never going to get that definitive proof, but if we can stack the evidence to what's hoax or what, what what's looking like hoax and what's looking like it could be legitimate, then get that will help you form more of an opinion, won't it? Yeah, well, to anybody listening, if you've heard or you've seen things with regards to the amateur bill, or you even just have an opinion, just make, you know, make a comment, start a conversation. If you've ever experienced any of the things that we've discussed, share your story in there. As I say, in future, we may read out and discuss what has happened to people. And, uh, you know, just get involved. Uh, tell us what you think. If if you tell us, even if you want to, just tell us if you enjoyed the show. Tell us if you hated the show. If you learnt anything, uh, you know, just try to get involved, and uh, we'll try as best to reply and see where we can go from there. But moving forward, we're going to try to do do a show at least every month. Obviously, if it starts to pick up, we might start to do a bit more. Where at the moment, we'll we'll be doing this once a month. So uh, we. We'll see you in the next show, and we hope you enjoyed this one. Yeah, and and please like and subscribe if you're on YouTube, and just try and show your support and help us grow as a channel. So, bye. Bye.